we cannot be fooling around with being satisfied with with manna, with what is it, yeah. being satisfied with having a position in the church or having a title attached to my name. Yeah. I can't be satisfied with any of that stuff. We gotta be go, going after the lost like never before. We all, the entire church world has got to press in to know Christ now more than ever and take that to the multitudes. Hey, what's up, church? Welcome to the Lift It Up podcast. My name is Corey O'Neill. I'm on staff here in New Beginnings, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Joe Source. And this is a place where we add value to your life from the Word of God. We believe that the scriptures are the best place to add value to your life. And today we are talking about knowing Christ in every season. Amen. And we, we know that from the scriptures and we read in the gospels that Jesus had multitudes following him, but he had three who were close to him. The, mul the multitudes followed him at a distance, but he had Peter, James, and John who were close to him, and they, they saw him in ways that the multitudes didn't. Mm -hmm. They saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right. They got to know Jesus' heart in, in ways that the multitudes, the large crowds, just didn't see Jesus. Did not, yeah. And they could have. They, could they had have. the opportunity to. Yeah, it's not that but he was preventing them. He, he from, wasn't. He wasn't partial to Peter, James, and John. Yeah. I think I think there was something he recognized in them that he might not have seen in the others, but anyone could have approached him. Anyone could have pressed in. Because you remember, you got the multitudes. Then you have the 70. Yeah. Then you have the 12 disciples who eventually become the apostles. Yeah. And then from those 12 come forward the three that really spent the most time with Jesus yeah. and got to Peter, experience Peter, the things James that the others, John. Peter, yeah. James, and John. And they got to experience things that the others did not. Yeah. So yeah, it's, there's a benefit there. Yeah, and, and our heart for today is that we, we're not satisfied with being the multitudes, that we, we would be a three, that we would be the ones that know Christ in every season, that, that we would be a three in every season, amen. And so we, we read in Philippians three, that Paul, the apostle Paul, had a lot to boast about in yeah, his in the life. natural, yes, in from the his natural, natural background. He could, yeah. he could have. Do you want to read that scripture? Because it goes from him yeah. boasting in, in what the natural world uh, would consider important. But he, but he recognizes that the most important thing in his life is to, in this case, become a three, just like the Peter, James, and John, to know Christ in every season. Yes, yeah. I, and I think there's a couple of things we, we can talk about before we actually get into the scripture. Because I don't know about you, but I find it interesting that at this point in Paul's life, um, he's in prison, okay? Yeah. And he's at the latter part. He's, this isn't when he first yeah. encountered Jesus he's on the road in Damascus. He's in a whole different season now. So it's in this season that he now expresses a desire to want to know him, okay? And so in verse 4, um, now, understand, we got to say a little bit of backstory, too. Paul took a lot of criticism from people. Obviously, the entire Jewish world that knew him, they're not happy for the fact that they're declaring, that Paul is declaring Jesus as the Messiah. So he receives criticism from them. He receives criticism from some of the other ministers. I mean, there's, there's a competitive thing that's going on yeah. between him and uh, Apollos, one of the other traveling ministers. And so we, you find Paul, even in the book of Acts, having to defend himself over and over again. In the book of First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, he's defending his ministry, yeah. his calling. I think that's why most of the time when he starts his letters out, he writes, apostle called yeah. by Christ, called by God. 
Uh, he's constantly having to do this. So, so here he is now. He's going to acknowledge his natural background, which in Judaism put him right up at the top there. Yeah, he's a big deal. He's a big deal there, okay? So let's read in verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Notice he said also. Because there's others that are bragging yeah. about their natural abilities, right? Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day, he's saying, in other words, I'm, I'm, I was raised as a strict Jew from the moment I was born. Yeah. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. That doesn't mean a lot to us, but when you when you go back in history and read the tribe of Benjamin were fierce. Yeah, I've heard like, you say before that that was the SWAT team. They're the SWAT team of, of the nation of Israel. Uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. So now we know he comes from that sect or he came from that sect of strict religious observance to the point where they would not walk an inch further than you're allowed to on the Sabbath. They would not dare not consume any kind of food that was unclean. Yeah. They just had tons and tons. I think somebody said one time they took the original 10 commandments and made 610 commandments yeah. out of it. Yeah. If I, if I could put it this way for those who are listening or watching, this is the equivalent of somebody on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter having the blue check next to their name. The blue, you, ever, you ever see that? No, you I don't. You know what I'm talking about? I, when I somebody's a public figure on Facebook, they have a little blue check, blue check. mark. So he's when a blue check public, guy. Yeah, like, like any, any politician, any famous person, their their page, to so that to verify that this is actually the legit person, they have a blue check. If you wow. have a blue check on social media, that's you're a an important thing. person. Wow. So to give you some context, if, if you're listening, watching at home, if, if, this, if this is the first time that you're hearing this, Saul, or Paul, I'm sorry, he's got a blue check next to his name, right. basically. Right, right. And he's had it since he was born, basically, yeah. is what he's saying. But now, verse 7, he starts, he starts coming to the present reality of his life. Yeah. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. And we're going to talk about that word, loss. Yeah. Okay, yet, verse 8, yet indeed I also count things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss. There's the third time that word's mentioned. Uh, just in those couple of scriptures, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, before I go into the rest of this here, I think there was one more scripture we wanted to read. I might as well read it. Verse 10, that I may know him. This is the bottom line. He's saying yeah. everything up until this point is wonderful. Everything I experienced in Judaism was great. Everything I've experienced since I met Christ is, is fantastic. However, my goal that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Okay? What's he saying here in these verses? What he's saying here is, look, there is a reality that many Christians never come to. But it is almost a prerequisite for leadership or for making a real difference in the lives of people. There's a cost attached to following Christ. Mm -hmm. And this message has gotten lost throughout the decades, and it's unfortunate. And that's why some people walk through, through, through their Christian walk and Christian life frustrated because they don't understand this principle. You have to walk away from something in order to walk towards something. Yeah. And Paul knowing that I want to know Christ, whatever it's going to cost me, it's going to cost me. It doesn't matter. And unfortunately, there, there is, 
It's a mindset that has got to be developed again in this season of the church because there's been so much preaching about the goodness of God, how he wants you to be happy and wants you to have abundance. And those things are true. But any truth taken out of, out of, out of proportion becomes yeah. a, a snare, becomes a trap to us. Yeah. Can, I, can I just jump in real quick? Because you said something that I've actually heard you say a lot of times and it always resume, resonates with me every time you say it, that there is something that I have to walk away from if I want to walk into the new thing that God's bringing me to. That's not just talking about initially when I begin my journey with Christ. Oh, no, I think it's more so the further you get on in your walk yeah. with Christ. It's it's because because I think people might have this idea that okay when I give my life to Christ there's some things I got to walk away from that's true, um, but and then that's it. No, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. It's and just I'm the tell beginning. You why. And truthfully, share, most people yeah. don't walk away from much. I, I want to share a quick uh, story on this topic. Sure. A few months ago, my wife and I were going to start watching a show that I had already seen years ago. But I wanted to live it vicariously through her. Mm. Um, now, the first time I saw it, I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> so I'll just say, I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're watching the show again. And we get a couple episodes in. And I'm like, I can't, I can't watch, watch this. this. <laughs> I can't. It just happened to my wife and I the other night. Like, the protagonist is evil, he's a horrible human being. It's dark, and it's it's not that I I'm gonna stop watching it just to make God happy. There there's areas of, of my life that God has been taking me through since I I, I decided that I can't watch that show anymore. Um, you know, for instance, uh, like teaching and, and and doing this, the podcast, and there are just there are just things that my soul had to be shut out from. Exactly. Um, I, you, can't, I, you can't bring that in with you. Yeah, it would get in the way of me knowing yeah. Christ in this season that I'm in now. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful that that the Holy Spirit alerted me to that, that he, he, he gave me the faith to, to obey. So, so now um, I don't have to let those things, the, the things of the world, get in the way of me knowing Christ. Absolutely. That that's so important for the There's church. There's some things you have to walk. You got to walk yeah. away from. There's some things. It could that be you a have TV to, show. It could be, could be anything. It could be it, a relationship. It could be anything. It could be a good thing that yeah. God has has called you to do in one season. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, move on. Right. You learned what you needed to learn from that season. Now it's time to walk into this season. But many times we want to bring that which is comfortable with us, and we can't. We just can't. So so, that's exactly the, the thought that's expressed here. Okay, in verse 7, he said, but what things were gained to me, he's talking about his background, talking about how politically he was put in position where, wow, he yeah. literally could have been the next head rabbi or even maybe a chief, well, the chief priest with the Sadducee, so he couldn't do that. But as far as the Pharisees went, the, the sect, or we would say today, the denomination of the Pharisees, he's right up there. I mean, this guy, he, this man sat at the feet of a rabbi that is still venerated today in Judaism, yeah. a man named Gamaliel, okay, who probably was a believer. Uh, of course, nobody would admit it today, yeah. but probably was a believer because when you see some of the remarks he makes in the book of Acts, you're like, yeah. man, this guy's a believer. So Saul, who becomes Paul, sat at this man's feet. You didn't sit at that man's feet unless they were grooming you for a phenomenal position in the future. Yeah. So he in the back of his mind, I walked away from that. I walked away from my reputation. Remember, 
This is the man that they had to lower in a basket over the walls of Damascus because the same people who thought he was the greatest guy in the world want to kill him now after yeah. he becomes born again. So imagine how humiliating that was. So he's thinking about all these things that I've had to give up. But it's very interesting here, the word that's used. But the things which were gained to me, in other words, the things that made me who I was, wow. these I have counted loss for Christ. And then it goes on again in, in verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I want to stop right there. That word loss yeah. was is the Greek word. We, we looked it up before. Yeah, Zemea. Zemea, right? Okay. Which means to unload. To It's the word that's used in the book of Acts during that storm at sea where Paul's on the ship, and the, the ship's going to be lost. It's yeah. going to be shipwrecked. They're going to be shipwrecked. And it says, and at one point, they unloaded the cargo. That's the same word. He's using that same picture here. Yeah. Like, I have, yeah, I came into this loaded. I came into <laughs> this with all my stuff. I came into this with all my reputation, my badges, my trophies. He said, but they are all lost. Wow. For what reason? That I may know him. Wow. He said, I am... I'm going to go through this unhindered. I'm going to get rid of all the cargo, all the stuff that I thought was so great. I realize now is a hindrance to me. It's all it's doing is weighing yeah. me down. You know, I just thought, because when we say like, oh, this person's a lot of baggage, we, we automatically connect that with negative, uh, like stuff. negative stuff, like depression, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but baggage could also be his baggage was holding him back. Yeah, his baggage from the natural standpoint was good stuff. And yeah. His baggage was accomplishments. Well, look at Moses. Moses is raised as a prince of Egypt. Moses, yeah. Moses is, he's, he's the head military guy. Josephus tells us that he was so brilliant when it came to being a tactician and a, and a strategist. He literally defeated the army of the Ethiopians. He was a master engineer and architect. And we don't get that from the movie. We get that from history. Yeah. Okay. He's got to unload everything. For what reason? That he would know who is this God of my brethren? Who is this God who, who the slaves worship? And so he allows himself. He makes a couple of stupid mistakes. But he spends 40 years in the, in the desert unloading, yeah. getting rid of wow. the need for importance, the need mm. for fame, the need for all these things. In fact, he's so unloaded, by, if you want to put it that way, by the time God shows up on the scene 40 years later, God's got to convince him, no, 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 I want you back in that kind of a position, but I want you in that position for me. Yeah. And remember, we talked about this earlier, Moses, God says about Moses, I don't speak to him like I speak to other men. Mm. He said, I speak to him face to face. Yeah. He knew him. He knew him. We're going to talk about that yeah. later when we get to one of the Psalms. Yeah. So, yeah, it's this process of unloading. The trouble is most individuals don't want to get rid of the cargo. Most individuals, mm -hmm. we want to take who we are into this relationship with Christ. And sometimes you can. There's, there's, I know, I've known of people that had positions in the world and got born again, and God allowed them to stay in that position so that they can affect those around them. But at some point in life, everyone has to make the decision, am I going to hold on to this that brings me comfort, that maybe gives me the blue check next to my name? Or anything? am I going to hold on to those things, or am I going to be willing to walk away from everything yeah. that I may know him? Yeah in every season of life. I think yeah. that's so important that you made that point, in every season of life. Yeah, I think the one question that, that a lot of people would think about is, why should I bother knowing Christ in every season? What is that gonna do for me? Well, 
it's unfortunate that a person would even ask that question, but I, I can, I, I guess I could see it be justified if a person really is not knowledgeable at all of God's character, even if it's, even as it's revealed in the word. Everything is a progression. Even, even the word of God that we have before us right now, it's progressive revelation. In the book of Genesis, he reveals himself as a creator. By the time you get to the end of the book, we see Jesus as a master of the wow. universe in his majesty. It's a progressive revelation all throughout yeah. the word of God. He's revealing himself, okay? I don't think that's by coincidence, especially when you consider the fact that we have symbols and types and shadows of even how our life is supposed to progress. We were born in sin. We're under the domain of Satan, okay? We get born again, we come out from under that. We start heading through uh, some challenges on our way to our promised land. We're gonna face giants, we're gonna face walls, we're gonna face enemies. There's going to be need for provision. There's gonna be opportunities to trust God. So you see all that in the book of Exodus. You see all that picture played out. But I think even through the word of God, there's even more of a picture and you can see this puzzle come together. We're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, we're talking about getting to know God. But what does that actually mean to get to know God? What is the benefit of getting to know God? We started out where you talked about how uh, Jesus had the multitudes that followed him, uh, which by the way, were, most of them left him when it got difficult and the theology got complicated. Yeah. Then you had the 70 that he sent out two by two. Then you have the 12, then you have the three. We know the three experienced things that the multitudes only heard about. Okay, so knowing Christ in more of an intimate way should be the progression our life flows because we're going to need to know more about him the longer we live on this planet. So we start out with uh, a pattern that you and I saw in the word we talked about. And if we can go to, to Deuteronomy yeah. 29, 29, that's the, the very last scripture in that chapter, 29. It's interesting here. It says this, verse 29 of Deuteronomy 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So at this point in time, Israel, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, okay, they went into Egypt, 70 individuals. 430 years later, they come out, Bible scholars say anywhere from two to two and a half to three million people. But for 400 years, they lived, they lived in a land that worshiped idols, pagan worship, and really they're worshiping demons, yeah. okay? There comes a point where they've, they're, not, they're not worshiping God, they don't have the ability to, they're, they're in bondage, they're in slavery, and so there's no way that they could have known God as well as they should have. But then he's gracious. He's merciful towards them. He sends a deliverer. Moses delivers them. They come out of Egypt. Now they're on their way to get it. They're on their way to the promised land. But what's the ultimate uh, expression of the, being successful in the promised land? That you know the yeah. one who's promised this land to you. Yeah. And so now here in Deuteronomy 29, 29, they're just, they're only a few years out of that they thought they knew God. So God has to say to them, look, I can only let you know me so much at this point. Now Moses knows him. 
Joshua, you find out later, knows him almost as intimately, if not more, than Moses did. But for the most part, the multitude here, he's not obligated to show them much. They're just coming out of a slave relationship. Yeah. They're just coming. He's, they're just getting to know him. Okay? And we're going to find out later that they really weren't that successful. Yeah. Okay? You, know, you talk about the promised land. I just want to mention, when people think about the promised land, which is a concept that's, that's all throughout the Bible, I think most people just go directly to, they think about status or, or success, wealth. You know, I have a house. I, live, I have a great job. I got my own family. But you don't, you don't need to be born again to have those things. If the promised land was just that, the material things, and it includes it, right. but you don't need to be a Christian. You don't need to be walking with God. You don't need to be, you don't need to know Christ in every season to you attain those things. You can accomplish that on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Sinners can accomplish yeah. that. Just work three jobs, uh, sacrifice your whole life, your, your, your personality, your character, Yeah. you know, scratch and claw and step on everybody you can and you'll get those things. Yeah. But you won't know God. Yeah. It's not a promised land. No, it's not a promised land. It's a land of slavery. You yeah. go from one slavery to another slavery. And that's exactly what God did not want them to do. That's why he took them the long way so that they would develop some character so that when they got to the land of promise, they, it wouldn't ruin them. It would be a blessing to them. Because yeah. remember, he told them, you're going to live in cities you didn't build. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to drink from wells you didn't dig. You're going to eat from vineyards that you never planted. I'm doing all this for you. So, but, he, but honestly, he could have did that for them in Egypt. Yeah. He wanted them out of the world system mm. so that they would experience the promised land according to his desires. Yeah. So, so we come in Deuteronomy 29, 29, he's telling them, look, the secret things belong to me. Now, at some point, they'll get revealed to the children forever so that we, so that we would be able to do the works uh, of the of this law. In other words, we'd be able to follow his commandments. But it's interesting. Now, again, we're looking for this pattern of getting to know God. And obviously, you and your wife have secrets together that nobody else is privileged to. Why? Because that's just the identifying mark of that close relationship. Yeah, it's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. My wife and I obviously have things that we've shared that I wouldn't come and tell you. Or it wouldn't be proper for you to ask me, say, hey, what about this thing? Why? Because it's identifying mark of a close relationship is that we get to enjoy things that are intimate, secret things. Yeah. Okay? He's telling them, these secret things belong to the Lord. Now, as we go along, you, we're going to see that he now starts to, as they get closer, which is the pattern of our life once we get born again, we start getting closer to him, closer to him, not, not as a matter of, oh, look at me, God, look at how good I am. So now you should reward me because of how close I am to you. No, I want to know what he knows. I want to know him. I want to know yeah. his heart. I want to know his motives. I want to know. I don't want to be outside looking in. I want to be on the inside participating. So, so we go to Psalm, uh, Psalm 25, okay? And this is probably a thousand years later. Psalm 25, and we were at what verse? I believe that was 14. Yep, verse 14. Oh, I went to the wrong Psalm. I went to Psalm 103, which <laughs> we're going to go to next. So why don't you read that? Because you had that already. So Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. Okay, so this is a conditional promise, right? Yeah which is another thing that many Christians don't understand. Well, God unconditionally loves me. Yes, he unconditionally loves you. 
He unconditionally loves the person that rejects him and goes to hell. But it doesn't mean that you qualify for any of the promises of God. Yeah. Okay, there are qualifiers. Again, look at just basic salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but you have to call. Yeah. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, believes in him, there's a qualifier, uh, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, this is a qualifier. Psalm 25 is telling us what the qualification is. In, De- in Deuteronomy 29, 29, he said, the secret things belong to me. Do you want to know them? Then qualify for it. Read that again. We'll see that qualification. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. So what's the qualification there? What, fear what the qualifies? Lord. Fear of the Lord. Not yeah. fear of I'm afraid of you. Fear that I hold you in awe. Yeah. I have an awesome respect for you. I know that you are way above who I am. I am not God. You are God alone. Yeah. And that's the person he begins to reveal secrets to. And the fact that David could write this those who fear him, that, they, that there, there can be a fear of the Lord in the Old Testament times. How much more? How much we, more now? Now, now that we're on the other side of the cross. Absolutely. Now that, now that we're in this covenant of grace, yep. that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And we had that recognition of what it cost him for yeah. us to come in relationship with God. Yes, I agree with you. There should be way more sense of the fear of the Lord, the awe of his majesty uh, in the New Testament age yeah. that we're in, the church age than there ever was in the Old Testament because they did not have the revelation that we have. Yeah. So so then we come over to Psalm 103, um, verse 7. And this takes us back to Deuteronomy 29, 29. Okay. Talking about God and his relationship with his people. Okay. He said, it says here in verse 7, he, that's talking about God. He is God. God made known his ways to Moses, his personality, his character, his uh, modus operandi, the way he operates. He made that known to Moses. However, there's there's kind of a, um, what do you call that? uh, An opposite idea that's being presented here. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, the word is contrasting. Escaping. Thank you. Yeah. Contrast. So he contrasts, the writer of Psalm 103 contrasts the relationship that Moses had with God as compared to the relationship that the children of Israel had with God. I'll read the whole thing. He, God, made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Now, on the surface, you say, okay, well, where's the contrast? What's wrong with that? Oh, there's a lot here. Because the children of Israel... They were very need conscious. We want. We have no water. We have no meat. We're tired of this this food. Uh, why didn't God let us die in Egypt? There's this constant, constant. They only got to know God's hands. Yeah. Moses got to know God's heart. Yeah. That's good. I, I would rather go without and know his heart yeah. than to have all the provision. And I think that's what Paul discovered than to have all the provision that this world could supply. Wealth, riches, power, influence. What good is any of that if we haven't caught his heart? And we know we've talked about this plenty of times in church here. In fact, I think we have some banners around that make that statement. What is God's heart? That the the lost lost be saved. saved. That the saved be be filled. filled, And that those that are filled with the Holy Spirit would grow Grow up. up. That's God. When you are content with the things of this world, 
when you are content with the surface relationship with God, and, and, you know, I don't mean this in a condescending way, but let's just be honest with each other. The majority of Christians, they come to church, they, they, they practice their faith, uh, mostly in an attempt to gain either earthly goods or material things or a sense of, oh, look at me, how holy yeah. I am, or, you know, I'm a good Christian, all that kind of stuff. It's not but unfortunately, they get satisfied with that. It's like it's like having a, a filet mignon dinner over here and having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you're content with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich as long as you have everything else that goes around with it rather than pressing in and, and wanting the yeah. filet mignon. Well, well, speaking of food, you know, in John chapter 6, Jesus was talking to, to some of the people the, of, uh, of Israel well, and he's multitude. referring, yeah, the multitudes. Was he was the talking multitude. to the multitudes. Yeah. And he refers to the scriptures that talks about the manna, mm -hmm. the bread from heaven that was that God provided for the right. Israelites. Right. And then Jesus says, I'm the bread of I'm life. I'm the bread of life. Because they were, they were coming to Jesus and be like, we want some more bread. Right, right. He said, I'm the bread. I'm your sustenance. Exactly. I, I satisfy you. I feel like, for me personally, I'm at the point now where... I get frustrated in the morning because I just don't have enough time to read my Bible and I spend so much time already. I want I don't want to lose that. My heart for, for people here at New Beginnings, I know this is your heart too, is for people to have that that frustration, uh, a holy frustration, a holy frustration of wanting wanting to not, not that it would be a good thing to spend every day, all day reading our Bibles, because we right. have to get out into exactly. the world. Right. Um, but in my morning, my time in the morning with God, it's just, I need it so much that sometimes I'll just have to lose sleep anyway uh, and come to work all tired. Obviously, I can't do that every day. No, don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my heart is that, is that people would, would want to get to know Christ in every season. I know that's your heart, too. Exactly. What Jesus was saying was those people back then got satisfied with this bread that came from heaven. Yeah. But now you can't be satisfied with that because the real thing has shown up. You know, the word manna it means what is it? Yeah. They lived for generations, for almost 40 years with what is it, not knowing what it was. And he's saying, here I am now. I'm revealing who I am. <laughs> That's good. And you're looking for natural bread. You still want the what is it rather than the here, here I am. Is. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think a lot of us, uh, we have to be aware of that trap that we can fall into. Um, Paul said that he learned to be, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it, he's content but never satisfied. Yeah. That's an awesome place to be at. Content, yeah. I'm good where I'm at, but, but I want more. Yeah. And I don't mean more of things. I want more of him. Yeah. You know, I'm looking, I'm personally believing for him, praying and confessing, Father, for an increase of anointing God. There's so much sickness. There's so many people that are suffering from emotional issues, mental issues. There's so much damage to them. Father, I need a more. I need more anointing. I need an increase of anointing. Yeah. I want to step into a whole different level where people can receive healing. Yeah. Now that's a good thing to think about. That now, now it's not just for me. It's so that it's for me, but then it goes through me. But we're talking about knowing Christ in every season. Yeah. In the season we're in right now, where there's so much sickness, there's so much disease. There's sickness and disease, but then there's and I don't want to get off on this, but there's side effects that people are concerned about from the thing that's supposed to prevent the sickness and disease. Mm -hmm. There's so much confusion. People are so perplexed. People are so puzzled. There's, there's, they're just, their minds are scattered. Don't, the common thing I hear 
Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should get this thing, if I should not get this thing. I'm afraid I'm going to catch this virus. And, and the slightest little symptom that anybody has right away, the devil starts playing tricks in their minds. We're in a horrible season right now when it comes to that. And so I want to know him. I want to know that side of Jesus. I want to know that side of the anointing where our shadows would even heal people. You know, that's the time that we're in right now. Yeah. Because I believe it, it, just as it was in the days of the Gospels, okay, what attracted people to Jesus? The fact that he's cleansing the lepers, he's opening up blind eyes, he's deaf people can hear, the mute can talk, the paralyzed are mm -hmm. dancing in the streets. These are the things when that happens, well, how did this happen? Well, this guy, I, I listened to this man who was speaking. And so the, the crowds came to the point where they were coming from all over different regions yeah. to bring the sick there. That I believe in the, in the time period that we're in right now. And what time period? We, it's time to fill up the ark. Yeah. We got to get everybody in the ark. Jesus is coming. We're at the very last moments of the end of this age. And we cannot be fooling around with being satisfied with, with manna, with what is it? Yeah. Being satisfied with having a position in the church or having a title attached to my name. Yeah. I can't be satisfied with any of that stuff. We got to be go, going after the lost like never before. And the healing, I remember one famous evangelist from back in the early 1900s, I believe it was, uh, coined that phrase that healing is the dinner bell. It's the thing that calls the people to the table. Yeah. When, when, when you have your physical needs met, when you have your um, soulish needs, your mental needs met, you're going to open your heart to listen to the message behind that. Yeah. We all, the entire church world has got to press in to know Christ now more than ever for what reason? So that we can take what we've known of him, what we experience that we've had with him, knowing his inner heart and his inner way of doing things and take that to the multitudes. Take it to the lost who don't know him yet. It's so important. Yeah. So how, important. How, how does somebody go from being content, not really pressing in to know Christ in every season? How do they go from that to realizing, I got to press in and I'm going to do it? I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take this seriously now. Well, because I, I don't think, I, I don't think everybody's too far gone. No, no, that's not that's not true. But I will say this: that um, it's unfortunate, but it seems like the church world is following society more than following the patterns that are set down yeah. in the Word. Are you saying churches? I'm talking about Christians, Christians in general. Christians in general. in general. Well, Christians make up churches. Yeah. So. Our society is becoming more and more comfortable with being dependent on man, hmm. where it was not this way all throughout history. Yeah. It's never been this way. Our history. I'm talking about our society. In, okay. in America? In America. Yeah. And that's important because our society influences the rest of the world. It's extremely important. So because our society in general is becoming more and more dependent on man, on man providing hmm. needs, unfortunately, I think the church world is, is starting to develop that same pattern of dependence on man, dependence on self, rather than completely be dependent on God. Okay, the Christians right now in Afghanistan or in the Middle East in general, they do not have the support system that we have. So they, are, they have no choice but to press in. They have no choice but to lean on and depend on and trust in God more than ever. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, we talk about the Christian world in the Middle East all right. 
But most of the time when we refer to the Christian world in the Middle East, we're referring to denominational Christianity, which most has, not all, but a lot has a lot of superstition, a lot of man's tradition, a lot of ritual, a lot of these things. So I'm saying that because what I'm, what I'm trying to point I'm trying to make is I guarantee you that a lot of those who were, we would say, nominal Christians or ethnic Christians that were not born again, all of a sudden are getting born again. They're pressing in. They're having to know this Christ who all they know is, is this figure yeah. on a cross. Now they're having to get to know him as their protector, as yeah. their provider, as their defender. And so you see now Christians, it may be smaller in number, but those that are, they know Christ. Yeah. They are, they are sold out. They don't care if they have a house. They don't care if they have food. They don't care what they don't have, care if they have clothing. All yeah. they want to know is we want to know Christ. And it doesn't take somebody living in that part of the world and living under that it level of persecution. To. It doesn't take that. Right. It shouldn't have. That to. can happen here in yeah. a suburban neighborhood. Absolutely. That could happen to people living in, in the demographic of upper middle class. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what's, what's the, what is the, um, the, the, the factor? incentive? What's, what's the factor? What, what does it take? Is it, I mean, I guess it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, most of the times it's going to take a crisis. It shouldn't have to, but unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it's going to take a crisis. Hmm. And I'm not saying that God causes that purposely for those reasons. But you look in the book of Acts after Jesus ascends into heaven, and, you know, they start the church up, and you have the day of Pentecost, and you got thousands of people, probably 5,000, but 3,000 and 5,000, 8,000. So church is about 9,000 individuals just within a few months, okay? But then it stagnates. Yeah. You don't see anybody going out to preach the gospel. They're all in Jerusalem. Mm. What happens? Persecution breaks out and they're forced to scatter. And sometimes God has to make it uncomfortable for us. I'm not saying that he raises up persecutors, no. but sometimes we have to become uncomfortable before we're willing to move on and we're willing to press in. And uh, I hope that it's a personal discomfort and not something that's corporately happening to the church here in our nation or just in the West in general, not just in America. Uh, I pray that we get to the point like Paul was I've seen the miracles. I've planted churches. I've seen the multitudes. Yeah. But I want to know him. Mm -hmm. and, and he wanted to know him in that particular season of life. Yeah. See, when Paul was in prison that time, he thought, this is it. I'm done. Okay. But it's not. He goes and he's, he's out and he's traveling around a few more years and then eventually gets brought to Rome where he's there. Um, uh, and it leads to his execution. But earlier on, he thought this was the end of his life. You remember in the book of Acts, he, he brings all the pastors from yeah. Asia Minor to Ephesus and brings them to the beach there, and he's, yeah. he's leaving, and he thinks this is the last time he's going to see them, but it's not. So he's writing from that perspective. Now, is it possible? I just thought about this. Is it possible that Paul had his life extended because he got to that point to say, I've had all this success, but I still want to know you. <laughs> It's possible. I want to know you. So what's it, what's it going to take? Is that your question? I think it's going to take a divine dissatisfaction. Yeah. I think it's going to take an uncomfortableness. Um, and truthfully, it's going to take messages like this to stir people up.
to stir ourselves up, to like, do I really know him to the extent yeah. that I should? Did I, do I really know him in this season right now? Yeah. You know, I've talked about this recently, um, and I, I don't mean it just as a joke. I'm serious about it. I've, I have been praying and have prayed in the past, Lord, teach me how to age gracefully mm. because I, I, I know my personality. Um, on the outside, I, I am who I am, but on the inside, I'm your age. <laughs> and so there's, there's always this conflict like, so you're aging in reverse. Yeah, well, on the inside, but eventually you have to, you have to flow into the season that you're in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's a divine dissatisfaction there. Like, I want to know you the way I knew you 37 years ago. Yeah. I want to know, I want to have the same energy and I can in Jesus name. Yeah. Okay. I want to have the same energy, the same passion, the same drive, the same uh, compassion, the same uh, vision, even more vision now. You know, wow, that's not a common thing. I don't think for people who who have had decades of experience in something, and and they're they're nearing uh, into into your generation, your mm -hmm. age group. It's not a yeah, common. Not it's not a, no, you're not done yet. Well, <laughs> I'm that, far from well, done yet. Well, the mindset might be, well, now I'm done. Well, that's the American mindset. That's retirement. That's age. retirement. It's time for me age, to sell yeah. my house and move to Florida and collect seashells. <laughs> <laughs> that's the American dream. That's what it has been reduced to. Yeah. Right. And hey, look, if that's what if that's God's will for a certain individual, I'm not. Oh, yeah. It's not that I'm retirement not, is a bad thing. Right. That's not, where God's leading you. If that's where if yeah. that's where you're at, and this is you know you 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 moving into that season of life, but it's not the goal. It's not the goal. The goal is to know Him. Yeah. And not only that, but to get as many people in our lives to know Him. Yeah. Amen. So, so we, we, we go through this pattern that we see in the Word. We go from where the secrets belong to God, and then we go to, well, now He's willing to share them with the ones who fear Him. Yeah. And then we go, we see that pattern uh, uh, that we don't want to make the same mistakes the Israelites made, because yeah. that's Paul's theme all through the New Testament, is, look, we got this history to teach us what not to do. And what not to do is not be like the children of Israel, but to be like Moses. Mm -hmm. Moses knew his ways. They, the children of Israel, the multitudes, the two and a half million, they were satisfied with, give us some food, give us some quail, give us some bread, give us some water out of a rock, we're good. Yeah. Moses was not satisfied that way. Remember, he gave up royalty to be able to pursue this God to find out who he is. Yeah. The God of the mountain, the God of the burning bush. And you realize he really didn't know God at that point. He's like, who are you? Wow. And then who shall I say sent me? Like who, when they start questioning, what's your name again? What are you capable yeah. of? You know, and then coming to the place where yeah, they were still asking that question, honestly, 40 years later, who is this God? They still didn't get the answer. Absolutely. Yeah. But Moses got to know him better. Yeah. And Moses got to know him face to face. And I think Paul catches on to that pattern because when he writes a letter to the Ephesian church, and we have it here in Ephesians chapter one. Again, it's all about knowing him. Yeah. It's all, you see, this is what drove Paul to know him, to know him. What's the very first question he asked on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him? Who, who are, are you, Lord? Lord? Who, who are you, Lord? So this drives him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And he comes to this point in time when he writes this letter to the church of the Ephesians. And he, let's start in verse 15. 
Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's the bulk of what his prayer is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the same one that spoke to Moses, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the what? In the knowledge Knowledge of him. Okay? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that they would be flooded with light. Not limited like Deuteronomy 29, 29. Not like the children of Israel who were satisfied with what they could get from God. Even, if, even though they didn't know him any different than any other God in the land that was worshipped. Yeah. Okay? That the eyes of your understanding being flooded with light, enlightened, that you may know, here it is again, knowing, what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? In other words, that you would get to know who he is, who you are, yeah. and what you are capable of now. You can't really know who you are until you know who he is. You can't. You can't. No more yeah. could you. No more could you know what you look like without having a mirror. Yeah. You're also person. You're also person. Never had a mirror. Could yeah. never know what they look like. And the scriptures does say that the scriptures is our mirror. Yeah. So. And warns us not to walk away and forget what we've seen. Yeah. So. What's an action step that somebody can take away from this? Somebody who realizes, man, I, I really haven't been making knowing Christ a priority, or somebody who who has been making Christ knowing their priority, but they want to continue in that, whichever category somebody might fall into. What, what's an action step? What's something that they could do right now? Don't lose that hunger, number one. In fact, nourish it, feed it, feed yeah. that hunger. Um, I've thrown myself back into reading the Gospels again. Yeah. I want to remind myself, I want to keep it fresh of what he's capable of, how he revealed himself, okay? Most Christians want to jump into the New Testament and the letters and Book of Acts and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But those are a result of the Gospels. Yeah. So I would say jump back into the Gospels. Yeah. Remind yourself, refresh yourself who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he's capable of accomplishing, and how he left that to us. But we can't accomplish that with a mediocre attitude. We cannot accomplish that with a lukewarm attitude. I thought it was very interesting. I think I talked about this in staff prayer the other morning. Um, In the book of Acts, the church at Ephesus is the big shot church. They're like the Vatican, okay, of their time. They're like everybody. Everybody wants to go to Ephesus. Everybody wants to be on staff at Ephesus. Everybody wants to be because then eventually the apostle John becomes the bishop there at Ephesus. Ephesus, Ephesus, Ephesus. Yet... It's only about 30 years later that Jesus, in his revelation of himself to the Apostle John, uh, voices his displeasure at the church of Ephesus where they got to. They forgot their first love. Yeah. Go back to the things, my action step, go back to the things that brought you that sense of awe in Christ. Don't, you can't go backwards in time, but go back to the scriptures. Pray like you used to pray. Yeah. Pray from the heart of, I want to know you. Yeah. I'm not satisfied. I've seen what your hands can produce. You are the God who provides all my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But I want more than just goods. I want more than just provision. I want to know you. I want to know how your heart ticks. Yeah. I, want to know, I want to know your heart in this season. Okay? A young man is in his teens, maybe gets born again. 
He knows God in that season. In that season, he's believing God uh, to stay away from the things that would cause him to fall back into the world, stay away from bad relationships. Uh, uh, he's, as he gets older, he's now believing God for his spouse. So then he gets a uh, help me, okay? He's a person that God has assigned uh, that the two of them would be one flesh. And now it's a new season of life. So now, Jesus, I need to know you in this season. Teach me what I need to know to be the husband that yeah. you want me to be. Not only just a man of God that you are, but the husband that you are. And, and obviously, a young lady would have the same passions. So now now a family starts. We start a family. Now you got to believe, yeah, I need to know Jesus in this yeah. season. Because now not only am I a man of God, not only am I a, a husband, now I'm a father who's going to influence others. Okay, and as we go, as we continue, maybe in a career, uh, profession, in the ministry, I need to know you, Jesus, now in this season. Yeah. I'm not content. I knew you then. I understand that. And if it takes me unloading everything in my life that I've accumulated up until this point, of course, you know, I'm not talking about relationships, but if it takes me out of my hobby, if it takes me out of me hanging out with the guys, or if I have to give up, and even if I have to walk away from a career in order to know you, Jesus, I need to know you in this season. And as we progress all the way through and to the point where it's time to depart, I need to know you now in this season. Yeah. Wow. Paul says something very interesting, and I hadn't thought about the scripture. It'll take me time to find it. It's either, let me see. First Timothy. He talks about the good fight of faith. Um, maybe it's in Second Timothy. Let me see. Oh Lord, I hate when that happens. Here it is, verse eighteen, four eighteen. Second Timothy. Okay. Um, verse 17. Let's start in verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He's talking about when he was on trial. Yeah. So that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, we don't know if this is a spiritual thing he's talking about or if he literally was supposed to be one of these that were sacrificed to yeah. lions in Rome. We don't know. Look at verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I picture that statement. Paul believes he's at the end of his life, and he has an expectation that you remember Paul where he started. The first time you hear of Paul is, and he out of his own mouth says, I was there when Stephen was killed. Yeah. I was holding the robes of the people that stoned Stephen to death. Hmm. Now, what was Stephen's experience? He gives witness. He takes them from Genesis all the way through the Jewish history and, and, and lets them understand, you killed the Messiah. And they stone him to death. And what's his last words? He saw the heavens open. He sees Jesus and forgives the people around him. Yeah. I see Paul picturing that, remembering that scene when he wrote this, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me wow. for his heavenly kingdom. He needed to know Jesus in that season now, wow. being prepared for martyrdom. 
We need to know him in every season of life. And whatever we need to throw off, whatever we need to unload, we need to do whatever it needs to do. So we come to that place and know, I know him. Amen. I know him. Man, that's good. I pray that every individual that's been watching this will come to, I pray that we lit a fire inside people. I, yeah. I feel it myself. I pray that people would fan that flame just like he wrote to Timothy. Absolutely. Yeah. Fan that. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. Mm -hmm. Don't be satisfied. Yeah. I, I'm not satisfied. Our ministry, praise God, glory to God, boasting on him. He's allowed us to have tremendous success, but I'm not satisfied. I'm content. I'm not disgruntled. I'm not disappointed. Okay, there might have been some things I would have liked to do other ways, but it's God's ministry. But I'm not, I'm not satisfied. There's more. Yeah. There's more. We're not at the place where you just, okay, this is it. Let's sit back and relax yeah. now. No, no, no. This is all a launching. Yeah. It's a launching board for the future. And the thing I love, because I, I know that this is your heart when you say there's more, you're not just talking about more buildings. No, I'm more talking people, about people. I'm talking about people. souls impacted. Yeah people coming out of darkness and, and getting delivered and brought, being brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom yeah. of his dear son. It's yeah. more, it's multitudes. More disciples. More disciples. More people that are going to, like Paul said, teach others that, so that they can teach others. Yeah. More of that. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope everyone else I is I hope too. if you're watching, if you're listening, uh, that you're getting fired up too. Uh, we, we really pray that this blessed you. We pray that this inspired you to fan that flame if, if you find that that flame has has been going out or due to things that 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 we do to keep that flame going um but we our, our prayer is that you would press in to know christ in every Amen. season of life uh, so that you can fulfill that his plan for your life and so that the world around you would be blessed Amen. 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 thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time praise god Amen.